Hi folks, this is Jack Spierko with another edition of the Survival Podcast. As always, one man's view of the changing world, the changing times, and the things we can all do to live a better life. If times get tough, or even if they don't. Today is November the 11th, 2020. This is episode 2773, and I'm calling it Answering a Friend's Question and Reflecting on 12 Years of the Survival Podcast. This is going to be a lot like um, another show I did this week and one I did last week as filler shows. Um, while this has never been on TSP before on the podcast, it is older content. This content's actually pretty recent, though. I, I was asked this question by a friend in September. So we're in November. So it was only a couple months ago. And I had just made some modifications to one of my hydroponic systems. And he was over here looking at it. And he had seen the videos I'd put out on it. And he noticed that, like, the video, that the one video that really showed exactly how to do these, these modifications and, and explained what this thing could do for a family uh, had gotten, like, 800 views. And he had noticed that I had done a video called Get Out of the Cities Now or something like that. And it had been out for a couple of days. And it was, like, tens of thousands of views on it. And he kind of just mentioned that. And he kind of sighed and he said... Does it ever get discouraging? When you put out something that could help literally every household in America, <clears throat> and it's just, it's not a failure, it just doesn't get that much traction. And you put something out like this, and it just, it goes viral. And, and that video has gone on to get, uh, I think, a couple hundred thousand views now, the other one. And the one that he was talking about got, you know, three or four thousand views over, over a couple months. And I'm not going to talk any more about that here in the intro segment because that's what the whole thing's about, is putting that into perspective. For the new intro segment today, I wanted to take a little bit of a different approach. <clears throat> this will be since the Ask Clown Circus came to a crescendo, um, uh, which is the election for maybe somebody that's new tuning in today to this show. Um, you have not heard me speak hardly at all about it. Like, leading up to the election, during the election, after the election, I gave my thoughts. I did call Trump as the winner, which looks like that's not the case at all now. Um, though I was more accurate in my prediction than all of the people that were predicting a Biden win, not in that I got the call right, but it was a hell of a lot more close to my call than their call, because their calls was this overwhelming, total rejection of the orange man. Um, that's neither here nor there. The reason you didn't hear me talk about it is in a week like this, where you're getting um, these, these shows that are fill-in shows while I'm away. The only way I can do that is I have to do them in advance. So this is the first time I'm recording new content in one of these filler shows where we have what appears to be a decision that Biden will be the next president of the United States. And I wanted to put that in perspective with the video that you're about to hear with this concept. There are people right now who think their lives are about to get so much worse because Creepy Sleepy Joe is the next president of the United States. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not exactly overjoyed about it. Um, and I think from a pure entrepreneurial standpoint uh, of business-friendly environment, that Donald Trump was better for my business. The other side of it is... When everybody freaks out because the a Biden return and everybody worries about gun bans and stuff, that's better for my business, right? I've built a business that has a lot of options. And I've built a lifestyle that has tremendously more options. And since this all has happened, I mean, here's some things that have gone on in my life. I've truly realized how amazing the gardens we put in last year are. And I've been gardening since I was eight years old, and I have built something this year that I'm probably right now, as you're listening to this, sharing with people. Because this is the first big day of the event. You know, yesterday was our reception day. The other two days are lead-up days. Like, today is when everybody's here. We're doing our actual presentations, and we're leading off with that type of presentation. And even though I knew back when I did this video how amazing it was, like, the last two months have shown me, like, I mean, literally, I was walking around with a friend that, that came to help me uh, last week. 
and get ready and showed him some of the stuff. And there's like giant eggplants that are oversized and, and not really good to eat anymore hanging off and uh, peppers like weighing the plants down and broken and all. And I'm like, he's like, what? I'm like, I'm tapping out. I mean, we have so much put away of what's storable and we have eaten so much of this. I'm, I'll just keep whatever's here until it freezes. I'll just keep picking it. And the students are coming this week and maybe we'll pick a bunch of peppers for salad bar day or something. But like I'm tapped out and we didn't even begin to realize the potential of that. I have found since then Odyssey library is a new form of content distribution. While everybody's screaming and yelling that YouTube censoring videos, I've found a blockchain alternative that will back up my content on YouTube. And if they ever screw me over, it will still be there. It's not perfect, but it is continuing to get better all the time. So some of you have streaming issues and all that will eventually be rectified, and it's growing exponentially. I've moved my social media presence completely off Twitter and Facebook, where I probably am going to come back to Facebook the way I'm on Twitter after the workshop, where I'll just post my daily posts on, on Facebook. Probably with a disclaimer that says, I will not come communicate with you, find me over here. So I've made this decision to separate myself from big tech, and I've begun building. And it was hard because when you have a huge presence on these platforms and you move away from them, it's like starting over. But I did it, and it's starting to gain traction, and that is good and in my life. I had the founder of Pirate Chain on, or co-founder of Pirate Chain on. Since I did that, and I don't know if this has even changed since I'm recording this and you're listening to it, uh, I have received... Almost 5,000 R tokens in payment for MSB, and I now have another, albeit small, a form of wealth, and a form of wealth that is completely invisible and untraceable by Club Fed, right? Like, the .gov can't do anything about this. This is what everybody thought Bitcoin might be when it came out. People like us were like going, Bitcoin's great, but it doesn't do what you think it does. It's not anonymous, right? This is not just anonymous. This is invisible, and this is what's happened in the two months since I've done the, 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 the video, the audio from the video you're about to hear. This is what I've done in my life. And I'm asking you, what are you doing? And I'm not saying try to keep up with me or it's competition or something like that. I don't mean it that way. I mean, like, are you going to sit around and worry about this political climate that you have no effing control over? I'm watching people on Parler lose their minds because it's very, it is very right uh, wing at this point. Which, as I've said before, it makes sense. Like, it was, you know, the first people in were all the people that got kicked out of Facebook and Twitter because they were censored. So, of course it is. But there's plenty of content coming up there and homesteading, things like that now. But I'm watching the political people go nuts and saying, hold on to holding on, you know. Like, like, like you're going to grab on to hope and that's going to change the future. And I don't know, maybe by now the time you're listening to this, maybe, maybe the orange man won a couple court cases and maybe the orange man's still going to be president. Do you know what it means to me? Nothing. Nothing. It doesn't mean anything. And you know all these people, not my president when, when, when Trump got elected. Not my president. Not my president. And now Biden, and I guarantee there's to be plenty on the right. I'm not my president. They probably won't sound like little children about it, but they're going to have the same attitude. Let me tell you something about those two groups of people. He is your president, whoever he is. Orange or senile, doesn't matter. He's your president. He was your president for four years while you chanted, not my president. He was your president for four years while you went out in the street with pink pussy hats and screamed and shrieked like idiots. Now on the other side, creepy sleepy, he's your president. If he kicks over, Kamala Harris, she'll be your president. Oh, good Lord, that sounds awful. You know what, though? None of them are my president. Because I don't participate in the slave suggestion box. I don't participate in the ass clown circus. I do not recognize the sovereignty and validity of government above me. I don't. I recognize ethics and morals. I recognize voluntary exchange of value between individuals. I recognize as my guiding moral, do not hurt people, do not take their stuff, and if they want to be left alone, leave them alone. That's it. That is my credo. I recognize with pragmatism that I live within the United States of America, physical boundaries, and therefore there are laws and things that affect me that I have to pay attention to so that I don't end up in a cage kidnapped against my will immorally. And I do that. But I do that the same way if you're walking down the street and you realize you're in a bad neighborhood, your situational awareness and your, 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 your color code of condition goes up. Because, But that doesn't mean that you recognize the validity or the sovereignty of a mugger. 
You just know that the mugging is more likely. So you're more prepared to resist it. This is how I approach and how I have approached this, I think since about, in full earnest, about 2013, 2014 is when I made that complete switch over from, well, you know, we need a we need some small government and minarchy and all. And I realized like it didn't matter because I was still looking back then for something that was going to be, something I could join, something I could be part of. And I realized you don't become sovereign over yourself by trying to find something to compromise to. You become sovereign over yourself by identifying that which, that which you truly believe, and that which you believe to be truly right, and then you choose to see yourself in your own life is your highest authority. I myself am my highest authority. I make my decisions. That's true whether you want to believe it or not. If you are religious, okay, and this is bothering you, in this world, I am my highest authority in this world. I am not religious, but I am a deist, and I believe in a higher power. And I believe that higher power on some level, in some way, exercises an authority over my existence. And I don't believe that in the way that many of you do, as in, like, we care what Jack does, right? Like, I don't believe it that way. It's okay that you do. It doesn't change a word of what I said. The way I believe it is, if there is a creator in all of this majesty that is the universe, a higher intelligence, a, a, a singularity of intelligence, thought, and consciousness that we would refer to as God, in the very act of creation, that consciousness has exercised some authority over me in the way that I breathe, in the way that I live, in the way that I die. That's fine. But right here, from my thinking down and my body outward, I own me. And if you don't like it, F you. And that's why everybody's losing their minds. My wife, I love my wife, but she was like depressed when the reality came in. Like She wasn't even depressed when she found out Trump lost. When the reality sank in that it looks like Trump probably could lose. She was depressed about it for a little bit. Then I was so proud of her when she said, I need to realize this doesn't really affect my life. Yes. So, yeah, I don't pull on her. Hey, come think the way that I do. So some of you think I'm pulling you that way. I'm not. I'm just giving you an example. When you feel like I'm pulling you, all it is is you like the example. It's you because, see, this is the thing. What I just said is the truth for you whether you know it or not. You are sovereign over you. Your mind, your spirit is sovereign over your body. Every single decision you've made from the time you were old enough to understand what a decision was till this moment and for the rest of your existence as a being, as you expend your dash, you are sovereign over you. The end. Full stop. Period. Again, if you're religious, don't be derailed by the concept that you pledge your life, etc., and your commitment and your morals and your code to your God. That's okay in this world. In this world. It's inescapable. When you think you're doing it because they say you have to, no, you've made a decision to do it because you've evaluated the consequences of not doing it. The same way you make a decision about a hot burner on a stove, I'm not going to touch that. It'll burn my hand. But when you look at a hot pan on a stove and you want to remove it from the stove... You don't say it's hot, so I have to wait for it to cool down. You get a potholder. Do you understand how that applies to your life and these things that you think you have to do because these people said so? Can you reach beyond this freaking falsehood that's been applied to you? Can you break the conditioning that they've applied to you since the day you walked into a kindergarten room and they started programming your mental computer against your will to obey them? Can you realize that you never were obeying them? You were making a decision based on the consequences of your actions. If I do this, then that will happen. And some of those things are real. The pot is hot. If I pick it up, it will burn me. But then they've conditioned you to believe, so I must let the pot stay where it is. No, you get a freaking potholder and you move it. They say, I can't do this thing. The first thing you should say is, how can I do this thing? Well, they said, I can't. I don't care. They are not sovereign over you. You are sovereign over you. You people that are parents, your nine-year-old is sovereign over himself. 
You are but a guide. By the time your kids can wipe their own ass, they are sovereign beings that you have the pleasure and the honor and the responsibility to guide. doesn't mean we don't set limits. It doesn't mean that sometimes we are not the consequence itself. But they are still making the decision to follow our lead or not. And the only way that you make sure they follow your lead more often than not is lead well. These people that run your government... They're not leading well, and they never will. They are thinking of you as children who need to be controlled rather than sovereign beings who are needing guidance in some spots. So what must you do? You must assert your sovereignty. This election means literally nothing to me. In fact, the only reason I picked a side as far as a prediction was to make it interesting. The way that if I had to watch a college football game, I might bet $20 on it. Just so I would have some vesting in it, because I really don't care. And I went right back to my life. I'm going to expand my commerce in cryptocurrency in the next four years, not fight Biden. I'm going to fight everybody by living my life more in a way consistent with my own values. Do you understand what I'm saying? What are you going to do? Are you going to be the person who only watches my shock videos? Get out, get out, get out, get out. Are you going to be the person that watches that video that this little segment you're about to hear is about that says that thing can improve my life so I will have one. Or go, that thing is not what I need, but I can take one thing from that and apply it to this thing over here, and now I can better feed my family and screw them. Are you going to become part of John Bush's freedom cells and build a network that doesn't give a shit about getting people elected? It gives a shit about protecting your fellow man. And being sovereign over yourself. What are you going to do? Are you going to put up signs? Are you going to go to court? Or are going to live your effing life on your own terms? Think about all that. As you hear me with a beer sitting by my beautiful pond that feeds my family and I, next to my gardens that feeds my family and I. Think about that as I reflect upon this question. Does it bother you when you put out a video that could literally help every person in the country and it gets under a thousand views, but you put out a video about the insanity in the world and it gets tens of thousands of views in a day? Isn't that discouraging? For my answer, continue to listen, and I will be back with you next week with brand new shows, and we'll have something for you tomorrow as well. Hey guys, Jack Spirko here along with uh, Charlie Daniels. You're going to have to go, buddy, because you're breathing in the microphone. Um... I'm titling this uh, this video uh, an honest question from a friend. And as I start off, I realize in our uh, our wall today that when you when you say somebody's a friend and you're doing an online video, you probably need to be specific as to what you mean. So when I say this man's a friend, I mean that he uh, he he knows my work. He actually met me through the podcast, but we're friends. As in, when he asked me this question, we were hanging out having a drink on my back porch. This is a friend in the real world, probably one of the closest friends that I had. And he was asking me about videos. And recently I've done a series of videos about getting out of the city and civil unrest and things like that. And one of them got like 40,000 or 60,000 views or something like that already. But at the time he was over here having a drink with me, I think that video was only like two days old and it already had like 15, 20,000 views or something like that. And, uh, you know, I'm a podcaster, so most of my audience listens to audio content on, you know, an iPhone or something like that. Uh, I, I poke around with YouTube. I don't do a lot of videos. So for me to get that kind of a response to the video is, is pretty big. I do put out a lot of video, though, but it's sporadic, you know, and it's, it's all over the map. And it's probably why you know, I think my YouTube channel has like 40,000 or 45,000 uh, subscribers. Um, but after 12 years with the level of work that I've put into to my life as a content producer, 
you you would think that I'd have a channel with you know a couple hundred thousand or so, but it's because my primary function is to do audio podcasting. I do five podcasts a day, so I have mixed results with videos. But it seems like, and this is where his question came from. It's a very sincere question, and I figured that a sincere question and an intellectual discussion called for a beer with you guys, and I figured maybe a good beer. I've been saving this one for a long time. Uh, this is a fantastic beer. It's called Dragon's Milk Reserve. It's a raspberry hibiscus bourbon aged uh, imperial stout. And it is stout. It's 11%. And we're going to have this beer together and we're going to talk about this question. So anyway, I put that video out and on the same day, I put out a video on one of my hydroponic systems and it was my indoor hydroponics farm. It's a four foot by two foot footprint it could be in anybody's garage or even anybody's apartment and it can feed a family of four to six people all the salad that they could ever want to eat uh, if you built a half of it as an apartment dweller with you know either a couple or an individual it would be all you need and that video had been put out and it gotten like 800 views so you got this one video, like 15, 20,000 views or something like that. And you got this other video with 800 views. And the, the question my friend asked was, do you ever get discouraged? Do you ever get discouraged when you put out a video that could literally improve the lives of every American who watched it and did anything with it? If they took 10% of it, it could make their lives better. And you put out a video about all of this hatred, the screaming, the yelling, the nonsense that's going on in the world today, the violence, and it gets 15, 20,000 views in the same period of time, this thing gets like 800 views. Does that ever discourage you? Boy, that's a drinking question, isn't it? It really is. Many of you know that I'm really fond of answering questions with, it depends. This isn't really an it depends question, though. This is a pretty point blank, yes or no question. Does it get discouraging? And the answer to that is yes and no. Let's start out with why it is discouraging. I've been doing what I do now for 12 years. And I've been doing what I do now for most of my life, but I've been doing it as a content producer, as someone trying to help other people for 12 years. I've built a podcast that's become one of the top philosophy podcasts on iTunes. Uh, it gets about a quarter million downloads a day. That's a, that's a, I mean, I have an audience for my podcast that's larger than a lot of significantly sized cities in the country. There's a lot of people that make a living on terrestrial radio that don't come close to reaching as many people as I do every day. And unlike people on terrestrial radio where you have kind of this box that people are in that they only have so many channels on the dial, a podcast is something people have to choose. So dedicating so much of your life for so long and sharing everything that you do. I mean, my, I have no personal life that's not known really, right? People know the names of my wife, my grandchildren, my pets like Charlie Daniels, and they know the names of some of my livestock, for God's sake. See, I, I don't make a big advertisement about where I live, but anybody that really wanted to find where I live could find it and, and, and has been able to do so since I lived, you know, three houses ago. And you do all that, and then you put something out where you're basically cussing and you're angry and you're ranting and you're telling people, honestly, I felt that video that first video in that series of videos about getting out of the cities was something that needed to be said. And I, was, I wasn't really saying it to new people, even though it worked out that way. I was saying it to my audience. And the one that I did on the Sunday morning, people that have followed me for years know I don't put out content on Sunday mornings. Not because I'm religious. It's just I believe in downtime and I believe in taking time to myself and my family. And Saturdays are mostly for me and Sundays are all for me and my wife and if my kids are over or whatever, right? Um, if I get up on a Sunday morning and I kind of stick my finger up and see the way the wind's blowing and I come out and I do a video like that one, 
where I'm telling people, get the F out, and I'm using the actual word and all. It's because I believe it needs to be done. I'm not doing it for shock value. I'm not doing it for views. It, it just happens to work out that way. So it can be a little depressing because you do something like the, the work that I do with Hydro, and yes, it, it, it does actually seem like, what the hell? Like... Here's this, and it's not just that video, and I know he meant more, my buddy David who asked this question, I know he meant more by, like, this. what's behind you? Like, I spent my whole life loving the outdoors, and, and you know, I'm a hunter and I'm a fisherman. But if you made me pick, you can only have one of those activities in your life for the rest of your life. It would be fishing. And it would be that for a variety of reasons, but chief among them is there's not really a fishing season. One way or another, you can go fishing year-round, and it's more accessible, and there's a lot of places where you could you could never legally hunt that you can legally fish. And it's I think it's just a way to feed yourself and to be in communion with nature at the same time. So I've always wanted a pond. When I moved to this property, it's three acres, I thought I'm going to put a pond in, and I even spent a whole bunch of money. I have a $7,000 hole that doesn't hold water, I can show you, because of the rock here. But it made me figure out how to do these Miyagi ponds, like this pond behind me. This is almost 5,000 gallons of water back here. And I've got fish breeding in it, and I've got the ability, if I want to have fish tacos tonight, to choose a species and, and know which one to toss a line in for, and I could pull a channel cat out of there or a couple big hand-sized, you know, green sunfish or something, and I can provide that to myself. But as cool as that is, what really makes this so special to me is I can come out here at night when I go to put the ducks to bed, and I check on everything, and I go over there to my little pond that I built in the aviary, and I see Fred the Frog hanging out. I shine the light at him. He's like, I'm going to run, man. It's like, dude, you don't have to run. I'm not coming in. You can hang out and eat bugs. I come back here and I shine the light in the water here and I see, you know, baby red ear shell crackers. And I know only a year ago I put some babies in there about that big that I paid for, that I stocked. And now those guys are like this and there's ones in there. I know they're babies that are that are spawned because they're that big. They're, they're half the size of the ones I stocked and I've got that like on. And I have all that and I'm like, you know, that's another example of something that people could take and build this in a backyard. And these gardens that go around it, and the way that, if you've seen the other videos, they they each have their own microclimate based on shade and, and, and sun exposure and wind and all of that, and the trellises. The, the, and I realized, like, this, this right here, this area, is 300, I need to do the math again because I forget, but I think it's about 300 square feet. And it's not all in production because you have paths and stuff, right? But it's about 300 square feet. And I realized, like, this can feed my family. This right here can feed my family. And you put out video after video on everything about this, how to how to do this, how to make this. And you get a couple, 3,000 views. Maybe over time you get 20,000 views, but it takes months for that to happen. You put out a video about just the utter vulgarity in society today, and it, it does that in a day or two. Yes, of course that can be discouraging. And I guess it's probably a little more discouraging because I don't do it for the purpose of getting a bunch of views. You think I really care about the 15 bucks of AdSense revenue I make off of that? Anybody that's followed me and knows, you know, the, the, the financial value of the TSP empire, you know, without being braggiose about it, but just being honest about it, Charlie's back, um, knows that 15 bucks is not, <laughs> not going to change my life at all. So what makes it a little less depressing is that I don't do it for that, if I, or make it more depressing is that I don't do it for that. I think if I did it for that reason, then it would be easier to be like, you know what, it is what it is, it's how I pay the bills or whatever. But there is a upside to it. I don't really care that, and I think I checked the one video that I'm talking about got almost 50,000 views at this point, um, since I put it out like a week ago. I don't really care about the view count, though. 
I mean, I didn't even think about it till David asked me this question. It was a very sincere question. He's a very thoughtful man. What I did care about is when he pointed that out, I went and looked it up. And at, at the time, I had gotten over a thousand people had subscribed to my channel from it. And by now, it's probably double that. That's a big growth for a channel with only, you know, 38, 40,000 views or 30, 40, 38, 40,000 subscribers just a, a few weeks ago to grow to, you know, four or 5,000 in total over the past couple weeks. That, that's good. On the other side of that, I know that a lot of people that subscribe, probably some people that are watching this video right now going, this is not what I signed up for, are going to tune out. They're going to go away. They're not, or, or they're going to subscribe, but they're not really going to watch. Because a subscriber and a watcher are, are two different things, man. They, they really are. You have to have a buttload of subscribers to get a, a significant number of watchers, right? So, it, what really matters, though, is out of that thousand subscribers, maybe a hundred will become watchers, and maybe 25 will become podcast listeners. And they'll become followers of the life plan. That's why I do this. There's some thunder back there. Hopefully we won't get rained out before I'm finished. This is one of these longer discussions. What I teach is lifestyle design. The reason the show is called The Survival Podcast is, is twofold. Number one is I am a prepper. It is something I love. It's something I believe everybody should be. I've been teaching preparedness long before I had a podcast. I spent a lot of my life in marketing and sales, but those aspects integrated into technology and business consulting. And even when I was a business consultant, by the way, I was actually a consultant to Donald Trump long before he was president. So I've, I, I dropped that name only to point out this was actually a significant thing. It wasn't like you put business consultant on your business card. Like, I actually had legitimate, huge, giant brand clients. And I always made part of my consulting, not just here's how you get business, but here's how you protect it. Here's your survival plan for your business. Here's your continuity plan for your business. Because if you don't have that, you don't have shit. Right? That's why PR firms make so much money to come in emergency fix something when somebody screws something up. And I bet they, those guys are probably the, the actual reason for cancel culture is probably PR firms. Because it creates a crisis that they can solve. So there's a certain number of people that when you bring them into the fold will actually dig in to what you teach. So you got that preparedness component to the survival podcast. But the other reason that I called it that was in 2008, I was still as a marketing consultant and uh, doing some other work, very cognizant of the fact that what you called something had a lot to do with whether it would succeed or not. And this was before Tim Ferriss took off and all. And if, if I would have called it the Lifestyle Design Podcast in 2008, it would have been a long road to quarter million subscribers. It would have been a long road to the first 20,000. And once I had 20,000, I had a full-time business and I could walk away from that other shit. So I call it the survival podcast because it worked better. But what we teach is lifestyle design. You got the hook and then you got the set, right? So the hook is the survival podcast. The set is, let's teach you lifestyle design. And this is why it's not depressing. Over the years, I've done 2,700 and... 20 odd podcasts now and we've had certain milestones like episode 100 episode 500 episode 1000 episode 2500 etc someday god willing we'll have episode 5000 i'm not ready to quit anytime soon so unless something takes me out like a lightning bolt from back there or something we're gonna keep doing this but we did these landmark episodes and i i, I decided like instead of me running my mouth about how great we are why don't we have the audience talk about what matters to them what 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 the community and not just me but what the whole community has done because there's so many communities and sub communities there's groups there's the zello channel there was the forum back when forums were really still a thing there's so many there's there's communities built off of communities that i don't even know about and people helping each other because they've connected through what we do 
So it's like, well, call in and tell us how your life changed. With 2500, episode 2500, call in and tell me why I'm a jerk, because people started calling me a jerk. And the reason they called me a jerk was kind of funny. So years and years ago, I, uh, I, I, I would say things like, you know, pay off your debt, you know, pay off your mortgage early. Get your life together. Get a preparedness plan. Have a generator. And I'm like, none of you are ever going to be in the in the future like, you know what, Jack? You're such a jerk. I paid off my student loan debts, and I paid off my all my other debt, and I don't owe anybody anything, and now I have all this stupid money in my, my bank account and my investments, and now I have a business, and it's making me money, and now I, I can quit my job, and then the power went out, and I have a generator, and you're such a jerk because my life is better. No one's ever going to do that. So people... <laughs> eventually started calling me a jerk for those very reasons as a joke. And I started doing the jerk segment on the show and whatever. And I read these, these, these quite humorous emails about it. And so episode 2500, I said, let's just do that. Call in and say, Jack, you're a jerk because, and then tell me our life's better. So we did these episodes and in one of the landmark episodes, we had five hours and 40 minutes of people telling us how their life was better. In another one, we had like three and a half hours. And here's the thing. I set up an 800 number for people to call these into. People got two minutes. Not everybody took two minutes, but people got two minutes. Two minutes to tell me how what I've done and how what I've put in motion and what others have done to help them and, and the community has done to make their life just a little bit better. So do I get depressed when I put out a video that people could use to improve their lives and they don't use it? And then I put out a video about how bad things suck and people love it? Yeah, for about that long. And then I sit back and I look at this life that we've built. And I realize there's no other way in the world that a guy like me could have done this. I come from a a small town in the coal country of Pennsylvania. A town full of coal miners and people that, you know, they have two professions. They mine coal and they drink. That's it. And I guess now they do heroin. I haven't been back in a long time. I don't think I want to go. I don't want to see what it turned into. There's a bar on every corner. It's about as big as this garden. If I would have stayed there, I'd probably work in an aluminum factory or something right now and be a floor manager or something like that. I would think I haven't made. There's nothing wrong with that. That's salt of the earth work. I, I don't mean that. Is it negative? Just that isn't what I wanted. That isn't who I wanted to be. All I've ever wanted in my whole life was to get up in the morning and not regret what would come in the next couple hours. To not be like, man, I got to go do this thing that I don't want to do. I got to go be with these people I don't want to be with. Even when I had made it, when I was successful, and I mean, really successful. I mean, there was a time I was the regional sales vice president for a company that did about a billion dollars a year in business. And I was the number, and regional, globally, I was the number one regional sales VP in the world for that company. I made a lot of money. I had my own little kingdom. I was basically paid to go entertain clients, to yell at my sales reps once in a while, to demand paperwork, to do paperwork. But mainly my job was to go take really rich people out to really expensive places and buy them really expensive booze and food. I like really expensive booze and food. I'm not opposed to it. I like closing contracts for millions of dollars. There's a hunter you know, component to that. Like sometimes I talk to my friends that still do work like that. It's like the only thing I miss is having that contract that you're trying to get done and you're trying to close and then you get the signature and you're able to go back and tell a company that you work for, yeah, I just closed $40 million worth of business. You don't have to lay anybody off this quarter. There, 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 there's some joy in that. But in between those moments of joy, there's so much fucking misery. There's so much dinners with people that, oh, this is going to be a great dinner, except I freaking hate these people. I don't want anything to do with these people. I don't want to be around these people. I don't like these people. They're not my people. 
There's waking up in the morning at 3 o'clock. Because, damn it, now we live in Pennsylvania because I had to move to take this job. And i got to be in Hartford by 8. You know, Northampton, Pennsylvania to Hartford, you got to be out the door in 30 minutes. And then go spend a day with people you don't want to be with away from your family. That was my life before I found this. And when I found this, I took everything I had learned. I didn't throw away that old life. I walked away from it, but I took all of the things I learned about sales and marketing and management, business. But along the way, I also never forgot my roots. I never forgot that even though I grew up in that small coal town with all the problems it had, that my grandfather taught me how to grow a garden. That my great uncle taught me how to hunt. That my uncle taught me how to not only put an arrow in a deer, but to track it through the woods and to find it even when it stops bleeding because that blade of grass went that way and the deer went to the creek and there's some water. And even in the dark, when you shine the light low, you see the white of the belly. Like, all of that led to this. And when I found this is my calling, I realized something. Not only could I build it, I could give it to people. Not sell it. Not create some ebook that said this is your best life ever if you pay me $199 and write long sales copy, which I could have done. And I probably could have made a quarter million dollars a year off of a book like that. That I could give it away. That I could I could let people I could let people watch me do it. And give it away and I could build success on that and that not only could I give it away that people would actually take it and do it and pay me the biggest dividend they ever could pay me doing it and showing me that they did it and when it first started it actually got scary as shit for a little bit I uh started getting these emails you said this so I did it holy shit you know why that's scary? What if I say the wrong thing? What if I'm wrong? So I came up with a new catchphrase in addition to all the other ones. I reserve the right to be wrong, just to let you know that occasionally I could be wrong. But I said, come with me on this journey. Help me take this journey, and I'll help you take it with me. And I don't care about the fact that there's a quarter million people listen to my podcast. I don't care. I put out a video and several tens of thousands of people watch it. I care about the core that when I put something out like that video David was asking me about, go, I can do this. I care about every single person in my audience, whether it's YouTube, social media, the podcast, whatever, that says this week, Jack gave me one thing that makes sense for me in my life that I can do, and I'm going to do it. And they send me a video, or they send me a picture, or they send me pictures of their kids. Or since I got on keto, they send me pictures of themselves, and they go, you think you lost weight, buddy? Look at this. And I go, that person's not going to need a kidney transplant because of that. So yeah, maybe once in a while, I get just this much depressed. But then the dividends come in. And I realized that what I've built is what I'm trying to teach everybody to build. I've built an investment that has at this point so many dividends compounding on top of dividends, compounding on top of dividends, that I'll never see them all. I'll never see them all. I'll never know them all. I'll never know all the stories. That's okay. I planted an oak tree. And I watered it, and I took care of it, and I believed that that tree would grow. And it grew, and it turned into this massive tree with these huge outlying branches. And all these different things that we did, all these different groups and subcommittees are like different sections of that tree. But then the acorns fell. And a lot of them rotted. Those are 60,000 views. But for every 60,000 acorns that fall, a couple dozen picked up by squirrels, carried off, 
some enterprising farmer comes by and goes, this is a good tree. Picks a few up. Makes a couple dozen new trees. And in its lifetime, that one tree makes tens of thousands of trees that make tens of thousands of trees that make tens of thousands of trees. And then on top of all that, I know, using the tree metaphor, we've actually caused over a million trees. That's that's being conservative to be planted in 12 years. We've caused over a million trees to be planted. We've caused millions of gardens to be planted. I know that because I know the person that planted a garden that was a listener that went away still planted a garden. And they're not here anymore, but they still planted a garden. I know that that one listener who put up a business planting gardens has put in a couple hundred gardens for people who will never hear the show without the show. I understand all this. So if you're new around here and you stuck with me this long through this video, because i got to finish up because the phone's about to die on power. I should have charged it before I came out. Stick with me and go through all of the stuff we've done in the past. If you want to know something about how to make your life better, Go to the survivalpodcast.com and start entering stuff in the search box. We've covered it all. We've covered so much that anything I talk about from here on out, I'll probably talked about before. Maybe we'll do a little different. Maybe we'll do a little bit better. And I ain't complaining when I say that. I'm just telling you there's so much we've already done. Sometimes I listen to my old shows and I go, I forgot I knew that. I don't get depressed when the bad gets more attention than the good because I know a huge portion of the people that come in through that problem, they get in from the problem. They see the problem. They look at the problem. They say the problem can't be fixed. And there's this one redneck hippie duck farmer who says, if you actually want to fix the problem, you can fix it. But you have to start by fixing it for you. Not for somebody a mile away, not for somebody 10 miles away, not for somebody 100 miles away. Not by asking a politician to do it for you. You can do it in your own backyard. You can take that first step. You can plant that first seed. You can get that first customer. You can help that first person that needs it. You can set up your life so that it's resilient, so that it doesn't fall apart. You can do all of this if you're one of the few the people that actually take action. And that number has grown over time to the point where now it's not really depressing anymore when people are more interested in the problem because I know the first step in being willing to solve a problem is to be able to identify it, to see it, and to finally get so sick of it, you're willing to take upon your shoulders the willingness to do something about it for you instead of make excuses about some, why somebody else would fix it. So thanks, David, for asking that question. And thanks to everybody that's been part of this journey for 12 years. We'll catch up with you later. I'm going to hit stop on the camera. I'm going to turn this chair around. I'm going to look at what's behind me. I'm going to finish what's left of this beer. I'm going to go into my house. I'll upload the video and spend the rest of this night with the most amazing woman in the world, my wife. comes the rain maybe i'll stay maybe i'm gonna sit here and finish this beer we'll see take care you pull yourself up they keep bringing you down are they gonna bail you out or just run you around they said you should have a house the american way Dollar down, a dollar a month, and you never have to pay. There's a better way to do this. Let me show you a better way. You don't have to be another face in the crowd.
there's nothing I can do It's the price we pay, I guess, when we follow all the rules There's a better way to do this Let me show you a better way Revolution is you.